listening to this. Um, I'm Jo, this is The Reset Rebel. Um, Thank you for popping back to visit us again and if you are um, just joining us for the first time it's a pleasure um, to have you along. Um, I currently lost actually. I am out for a morning walk somewhere in Epsom Downs. I just kind of threw my clothes on and went out the door this morning into the morning sunshine it just looked so green and gorgeous out the window uh, I threw my trainers on and just uh, started putting one foot in front of the other as you do um, I have no idea where I am I'm actually on a golf course at the moment if you do hear a little shout of uh, four you'll know that um, yeah I'm under fire but um, I've just really found this kind of sense of timelessness this morning somehow which I haven't felt in a really long time and it kind of reminds me of when I first moved to Ibiza because um, I'd often well it was before iPhones and I often just went out in the mornings um, without any kind of phone at all actually and just went out in the morning because I just knew I was probably going to get lost and then would just wander off into the mountains like close to where I lived and it was absolutely stunningly beautiful and I just used to love kind of almost just crawling through the bushes really on around these mountains and I never felt worried or I just really was totally lost in the nature and it's just such a lovely sensation really I suppose of disconnection which when you really tap into it is really quite blissful and I think it's just so much harder to find these days that kind of sensation of just total surrender to wherever you are in the situation you're in um, because we're always slightly addicted to checking in with certain uh, digital networks and platforms and just being connected with that extension of our arm that is our iPhone and this morning I've just felt very very peaceful strolling around <laughs> just seeing a dog rolling on the putting green that's not good is it <laughs> He just looks totally blissed out as well. He's definitely not connected to his iPhone either. Um, And it's, yeah, it's just something magical that happens in your head when you completely zone out, really, from everything. And you're just in the moment of just putting one foot in front of the other. It's just amazing. Um, It just kind of reminded me of that very first few months when I moved to Ibiza or even the first year actually I was so excited to be there I just went off wandering into the hills every single day without fail and it's something that I do um, often actually when I'm feeling really out of sorts and I am feeling a bit out of sorts actually I'm I'm back in Epsom I'm looking after my dad actually he's not been very well it's been um it's been quite intense somehow seeing the kind of roller coaster of emotions that he's actually on um, currently due to yeah his partner not being very well with Alzheimer's and um, the situation that's kind of evolving 
with that um, for him is, is it's just incredibly sad actually I've never witnessed anything like this uh, pop up in our family and it's um, it's a toughie it's a toughie and it's you know when you take on or you are around someone you love who's really suffering it's definitely difficult to watch so I've been going out for these morning walks which I haven't done in Ibiza recently because it's been too bloody hot and um, I haven't really felt like it actually but as soon as I got here I just threw my trainers on everything in the morning without fail at like six or seven in the morning and been going out strolling on the downs again it's just reminded me how therapeutic just a little bit of strolling can be um, oh I think there's some golfers over there I think I'm about to get into trouble and sometimes you can just forget that the things that are really 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 good for you or just ignore them or deny yourself uh, access to them which is another thing that I do when I'm not feeling great I probably don't do the things sometimes or I try to pretend those things aren't the answer and I don't do them and obviously I feel even worse so when I do do the things that are good for me and I remember what they are and how to make them happen I'm just always pleasantly surprised of course (laughs) by the magic that can unfold and I'm just so looking forward to sharing all of this again on my retreat and just um I think it's about eight days away now uh we start a week on Saturday so it's the 11th to the 14th of August so it's um I'm really happy that I've actually managed to find somebody to give the free space away I I met her at a festival and the Latitude Festival when I was teaching there a few weeks ago and um, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing but yeah, I um, chatted to her about sort of anxiety and depression and sort of panic attacks and this feeling of stuckness that kept sort of overwhelming her and um, I've been there myself many times and really, really delighted that she's going to be joining us in Ibiza. So the free space is gone but we've still got four sharing spots available. Um, So if you did want to join us, now is the moment really um, to sort of um, seize that opportunity and like I said before it's going to be thoroughly based on sort of this movement medicine and that's what the focus is on. It's very much through dance and music and yoga and hiking and sort of getting immersed really in the island and all it has to offer so through our sort of paddleboarding experience um, in the north in Portanax and through our exploration really of the north um, and also a night out just down to the south to Woo Moon we're gonna just really explore into our new moon intention through movement and I'm really looking forward to that I think it's going to be epic and I've got some really, really amazing people signed up. So I'm really excited to share this. We're going to seek out some great sunset spots as well for dinner. And we have a beautiful air-conditioned finca, which right now on the island is uh, a magic thing because it is quite warm. Um, so just to have that base camp to come back to and just to get really cooled off after our big night dancing and after our wonderful sunset meal in Portanax. And the first night, we're just going to chill at home and get to know each other and hang out and do some little... Um, workshops together to sort of get to know each other because it's only a weekend experience it's three nights the flights are still only around about 100 pounds um, from london if you are coming from there uh, and many other parts of europe so if you want to join us um do drop us a line to just the good news please and we have another amazing gift to give away this week on the podcast um and that is another free retreat space that's just been given to us um, by our brand new sponsor uh who's 
boarding this week's podcast um a wonderful lady called Catherine Monaghan and she has a brand called Giggle Water which pretty much does exactly what it says uh, on the tin um, and I'm going to explain a little bit later on in this podcast about why we've teamed up um, and the amazing offering that she's given us um, for this week's podcast because all of these free retreat spaces if you hadn't heard this podcast before are being given back to charity to people that need them most maybe can't afford them um, and really feel like they need a reset in their life and they want to join us in Ibiza to undertake that sort of process really um, and all you need to do is feel like that is what you need right now and drop us a line or recommend a friend so if you've got somebody who in your office um, in your immediate family in your friendship circle that's not having a good time for one reason or another maybe they are depressed or anxious they've just broken up their boyfriend maybe they're recovering from something this is exactly the kind of person that we are looking to get on board um, so do drop us a line to just the good news please and um, I will be giving the full details of that retreat a little bit later on in this podcast but today we are joined by um, a bit of a legend really I suppose from New York um, Daniel Pinchback he was a last minute sign up to the Cosmic Pineapple Festival which happened last week shortly after I flew back here to England so I actually didn't attend which is a massive shame but that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes and um, he's an author um, you may have heard of him he's written quite a few books already he's got another one coming out um, I don't know exactly when actually but he's in the, in the process of co-authoring it and that sounds very exciting looking at plant medicine and ayahuasca specifically so there's some interesting little nuggets of conversation that, that pop up in today's podcast um, about um, yeah, plant medicines really and, and the effects of those in our time, uh, as well as, co- of course, as looking um, at his actual current book, the most recent one that's just coming out in paper book uh, this month in July and also um, the audio version is available in July. Um, the book's been out for a, a while now. Um, and it's called How Soon Is Now, which I love this title. Um, obviously the same title as one of my favourite Smith's tracks. And yeah, it's like a blueprint for the future, really, with an introduction from the other absolute legend, uh, Russell Brand. Um, it is very much an analysis, really, of what we need to do to sort our big uh, mess of a planet out, really, and all the carnage that we have created um, through the years and how we can get there as a team, basically. So yeah, I'm not going to say any more. The man explains it far better than I ever could and I'm very sad to have missed his talk in Ibiza um, when I flew back here to London to, to be with Dad. But I've also had some amazing emails this week that have really lifted my spirits while I've been back in England and through this project, through people getting in touch that have heard the podcast and some real game-changing moments that um, have definitely... Um, set my soul on fire in lots of ways so I really it's just so lovely when people get in touch um, so if you are listening to this and you haven't written or you've already written a review on our iTunes account to say what you thought of um, this uh, this series then I, I just love hearing from people so if you do want to get in touch that'd be awesome um, yeah without further ado I bring you Mr Daniel Pinchback don't go away it's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. Coming to you every day. 
welcome back to The Reset Rebel with me, Joe Yule, and we are here in a very beautiful home, sort of buried in the back of Santa Gertrudis, and um, I've very kindly uh, been invited here. And we're here with um, Daniel Pinchbeck. Um, it's very, very lovely of you to have joined us here this evening and um, come on The Reset Rebel podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Daniel, you're a kind of last-minute addition, really, to the Cosmic Pineapple event, which, well, I don't know if you were a last-minute addition, but a last-minute addition on the Instagram account this morning, which is how I kind of found out that you were actually going to be on the island of Ibiza. Have you been here before? I was here once before, a couple of years ago. And you're going to be talking about your book called How Soon Is Now? And the Cosmic Pineapple event is obviously about, you know, kind of human consciousness and, and kind of bringing that to the forefront of kind of the healing community here on the island. Can you just tell us a little bit, first and foremost, about your book? And um, I haven't had the pleasure of reading it, unfortunately, but I just wanted to kind of hear a bit more about it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, book's been already out for a year in hardcover, but it's coming out in paperback now. Uh, and it's my third book. My first book was Breaking Open the Head. Uh, that was on psychedelic shamanism. Uh, it came out in 2002. I visited tribal cultures in the Amazon, Africa, Mexico, and so on. Uh, second book was 2012, The Retreat of Quetzalcoatl. That was looking at uh, indigenous prophecies from cultures like the Maya and the Hopi and many others. Uh, and kind of from my perspective, biological process that led me to this third book, How Soon Is Now, which was looking at the ecological crisis as something like a collective rite of passage or initiation for humanity um, that will kind of force us to like step up or fade out in a way. And then kind of thinking about the types of changes we would have to make systemically to our technical support systems and our social systems to deal with the magnitude of ecological change that we're causing on the planet. I mean, you called it an ecological mega-crisis, which obviously sounds very dramatic, but it's clearly the state of affairs that we're in right now. And um, kind of talking about the fact that we all need to kind of get together through our kind of technological kind of access and facilities and, and, and platforms that we have now um, to come together to sort of make a change um, as one, really. I mean, obviously, these little steps that we all make on a daily basis to recycle or whatever it's going to be um, are all helpful and it will come together and kind of do make you know bigger changes in the long term but you know what what's the kind of master plan of this book because it's obviously very in-depth and lots of different elements of it that come together to make this big change what's the kind of the main you know the main focus the main focus um well yeah i just felt that um when i wrote the 2012 book you know we all talk about new consciousness or like age of aquarius coming or dimension new dimension or whatever but you know, we don't really think about that like tangibly. Um, so, you know, I wanted to think about it in more tangible and material terms. So like, you know, I mean, I it basically looked at three main areas. One is like the technical support systems that sustain uh, our human civilization. Second are the social systems, like the political and economic system. And the third area is the area of like consciousness, which is ideology, beliefs that cause like habits and practices and so on. And, and those are kind of like instituted through like media and government and education systems then reinforced. So, you know, there's like the technical systems are kind of like the ones, I mean, we really know what we need to do in most areas. We're just not really doing it fast enough right now. So, you know, renewable energy, shifting away from fossil fuels. I mean, that's one of the main ones. Shifting to regenerative farming, uh, restoring soil, pulling CO2 down into the, into the topsoil. Um you know, there's like waste management, industry, shifting to more like cradle to cradle industry. Um, you know, so so that there's like a, you know, there's a map of what we'd have to do technically. Then the social aspect is more complicated because, 
it's hard for us to envision how we evolve out of our current social systems, but you know, there's a lot of evolu- a lot of uh, innovation happening, particularly in the whole blockchain world, which could lead to new types of, you could say, monetary systems or new instruments for exchanging value that we could actually program with different habits and behavior patterns in them. So that's hopeful. And also new ways that decisions could become more local, maybe more power becomes more developed, comes down to the local level, and we're not as so um, connected to these like larger nation states and, and global initiatives. You know, it's like the think local, think local, ask global. Was act global? Um, think, yeah, think global, act local was a big um, catchphrase of the '60s. So the book kind of looks at some of that thinking, and yeah, looks at a whole bunch of different approaches. I mean, even little things like you know, podcasts. I mean, are an amazing kind of tool that we have now to kind of gain access to information. You obviously have your own podcast for How Soon Is Now, and you've been chatting to I saw Bruce Parry, for example, another island resident or someone that visits us regularly and talking about sort of indigenous cultures and the way they kind of communicate and the way they operate and you know how that connects them in a different way to the way we communicate and operate which is obviously through mostly social media and and technological platforms and I found that really fascinating because obviously it is the small steps you know and the human connection really that are bringing us closer through the events like Cosmic Pineapple I mean what you know what's your experience of spirituality is that kind of something that you've gotten into more recently? Uh, well, I mean, that's been something, I mean, that I've been, you know, focusing on all along. I mean, the first book was about uh, psychedelic shamanism. And for me, that was like a quest for, like, knowledge, for, you know, I started as a secular materialist and didn't really believe in anything spiritual or psychic. And then I had a sort of existential crisis. And then I um, remembered profound psychedelic experiences that I had in college. Um, so I made that my avenue of discovery. And um, why? Why so? Uh, well, because it was the only experience that I had, um, which seemed to like really demonstrably suggest that there were like these other dimensions of consciousness, other other areas to explore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for me, um, I mean, I think you know the, the 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 idea of spirituality is a part of our, in a way, part of our problem. Because we're, we're already making these dualisms. Western society, Western language, Western culture are very dualistic. And so to create a dualism between spiritual and material, or spiritual and physical, is like another dualism. And I don't think that indigenous cultures necessarily had that dualism in the same way. So, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, um, you know, the, the most, in a sense, the most spiritual, quote unquote, thing that we could do would be to use our gifts to kind of figure out how we get humanity out of this um, cul-de-sac. I mean, it's just interesting because obviously living in Ibiza, this is not uh, an island that's a sort of stranger to plant medicines and um, sort of experimentation with like DMT and there's cambo going on here and, you know, ayahuasca retreats and all sorts of things. And I gather you're obviously writing a, a co-authoring a book on ayahuasca and what kind of led you, you said you had some experiences when you were at university, but it's kind of like, it's becoming more mainstream, isn't it, to, to be exploring with plant medicines now, and I, there's a lot of it going on in Ibiza, so I'm just interested to know, you know, I read an article about um, when you were in Rolling Stone, just exploring with DMT in a, in a group sort of facilitation or kind of role. Um, is that something that you're still sort of experimenting with, or is that just something you just did for the book? I'm still engaged with it, but, um, you know, it's, it's not it's not as much of a primary focus because for me sometimes all these explorations of you know plant substances 
you know, it's very beautiful, it's very glamorous, um, and it certainly helps people to a certain extent, but then I also feel it becomes almost like spiritual entertainment or something, you know, so um, after a while I begin to question the, the value of people who are doing these things, um, yeah, it's like, it's like I think we'd have to look at that in the context of what they do with their jobs and in their relationships, what they do with their investments and their philanthropy and so on. Um, because uh, like a lot of these indigenous cultures where we're getting these medicines from, you know, are endangered, you know, suffering the, the effects of colonialism and imperialism. A lot of the money that supports a place like Ibiza comes from, you know, capitalist investments and raw materials and raw minerals. That's actually exactly the type of stuff that's had a negative impact on the indigenous people around the planet. So for, for me, like the, the use of the psychedelics as a Western modern person who've been the beneficiaries of this whole history of exploitation and so on should, should be that we then come to see our whole system in this very like holistic, um, you know, system design way. And, and, and then, you know, we use our gifts and our talents to figure out how we can, you know, as I said, try to like not let it get worse. Because, you know, if you look at what's happening ecologically, I mean, barring you know, a lot of uh, effort or some type of, you know, miracle. Um, we're going to see a lot of, you know, people, a lot of people in the world are already starting to suffer gravely because of the effects of climate change and species extinction and peak water and, and, and so on. And that's going to get significantly very much worse over the next 5, 10, 20 years. So it's going to really pose a question for people on, on what they value and what they, what they feel their responsibility is. Interrupting today's broadcast just to let you know uh, that Giggle Water are sponsoring this podcast series uh, based on the island of Ibiza. Um, they're inspired by the 1920s playful American term, uh, which means alcoholic beverage. Um, so Giggle Water is a lifestyle brand with a passion for value, uh, innovation and a strong social mission. And it's been founded on the island um, and the idea of living a life of balance, happiness and health. Um, and this week, uh, as a massive gift, um, as they come on board, they're offering a free space in true tradition of this podcast on their giggling Buddha Live Life uh, in Balance Retreat with I Am Wellness from the 30th of September to the 4th of October. Um, and the Lucky Reset Rebel um, applicant will join them uh, join us, in fact, for an extraordinary adventure of wellness and yoga, uh, because I'm also going to be teaching on that wonderful event. And I'm really, really excited, as well as our previous podcast guest, of course, uh, Trish Whelan from Soul Adventures, who is, of course, a Kundalini yoga teacher. And there's going to be plant based uh, food, nutrition, uh, creative art and photography lessons with um, the artist Victor Spinelli, um, numerology and life coaching, hikes um, to some of the most exotic and remote secret places on the island and some sailing around the islands of Ibiza and Formentera to visit biodynamic vineyards and to learn about living wine. So this is sounding pretty epic uh, in my book and retreaters are going to be experiencing exclusive lunches and dinners in unique locations, sunset drumming, conscious dance, sound and music therapy, as well as a quantum thinking and healing workshop uh, detailing how we can rewire our brains and recondition our bodies and thoughts to make lasting changes 
to our lives. Live, love, sparkle. That is their tagline. And um, if you don't come out of there living, loving and sparkling just a little bit more, um, I will be shocked after we finish with you. So do send us an email if you want to get involved um, on that retreat space to just the good news, please, with just a little bit about what is going on in your world right now and why you need a reset. Or maybe you're going to recommend a friend, but it'd be really, really lovely to hear from you. So do please at Poppers Align. We'd love to hear from you. Don't go away. We're going to continue now with our interview with Daniel Pinchbeck. Are you are you here on holiday then, or are you are you actually sort of doing any of that kind of work while you're here, like doing any research work into the kind of Love Abitha Now or the Abitha Preservation Fund or any of those ecological societies that have been set up here? I'm not really doing research in the ecological societies that are set up here. Uh, I was invited to Mykonos to speak at a crypto conference, um, and I'm very interested in influencing that community in particular because a lot of capital and innovation is being pointed in that direction. Um, I have a number of good friends who live here or are staying here, like Giancarlo and Stephanie, who I'm staying with. Um, and I do feel there are a lot of like peers here, like people who are roughly my own age, who've gone through a lot of similar explorations, and it feels really good and, and healthy to connect with them and see what their lives are like here. You were saying that you're writing this book on ayahuasca, and there's kind of there's a kind of a sense of almost like ayahuasca tourism here, really, in, in some ways. There's a lot of people doing kind of pop-up ayahuasca retreats, and maybe some people are kind of questioning the real kind of shaman authenticity, I suppose, behind them. And that's something that's perhaps not, you know, necessarily encouraged by the healing community here. Um, in, in terms of the book that you're co-authoring at the moment for, on ayahuasca, well, how are you putting the sort of research together for that? How are we putting the research together? Uh, just, you know, mainly interviewing people and reading and looking at sources. I mean kind of what you do when you're putting a book together. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, are you going to go to the ayahuasca conference? Because there's normally one here every year. And I just obviously that's something that's kind of getting growing as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many more conferences I need to go to. I've, I've really been at a lot of conferences over the last 15 years. And I'm kind of up to date on different areas of psychedelic research. We've spoken to many scientists researching it. Um, so, and you know, the book is a little bit more of an introductory book, like looking at the global spread of ayahuasca. And so we'll do the, the research that feels necessary. Mm. I mean, what would you say, in your opinion, in your experience with it, that kind of ayahuasca was its primary purpose in terms of healing? You know, I tend to think that there is like a sort of spirit of ayahuasca that sort of when people experience uh, it as a female spirit. Sometimes people call it grandmother or whatever. I mean, that can be sort of anthropomorphizing, but... It, it does feel that uh, so ayahuasca has some type of purpose in modern society, that it's kind of uh, you know awakening people, giving them insight into their behavior patterns. Uh, but that's also true for peyote and for iboga and you know, San Pedro and mushrooms and so on. So you know, I think all these visionary plants have uh, great value for, you know, for progress, for, for people's self-discovery process. I think it's just kind of interesting, though, because... Um, once you've kind of, I mean, I've never taken ayahuasca or, or drunk it, but, um, you know, from what I've witnessed from friends around me that have, it kind of makes quite a dramatic change in them once they've been through those experiences and seen parts of themselves that, you know, have been facilitated by ayahuasca and sometimes there's kind of no turning back in some ways. And it's kind of an argument to ask whether whether it's necessarily a good thing to go that deep into the human psyche. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, in, in all these indigenous cultures, they would see this type of... Uh, you know, kind of uh, investigation as part of an initiation process. 
and you know initiations are rites of passage and they're inherently dangerous. There's a chance that you'll go crazy or kill yourself or lose your integrity. Uh, that that's why you know it's 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 a it's a you know it's a dangerous path to choose the path of like shamanic study or awakening and so on. So um, you know, but that's what all these traditions tell us. So it happens to be true. You know. But there's not much sort of aftercare going on, I guess. When one comes out of a one-week retreat, having you know drunk, I don't know, maybe five days on the spin, then you know, I guess it's kind of interesting to sort of wonder what one does and how you process this information that comes from all of that kind of internal kind of foraging. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, I mean, you know, so this is all new for us. I mean, we've, you know, half century ago, we didn't even know about all this stuff. I mean, you know, maybe maybe 60 years, 50, 70 years now. So, you know, then they were all repressed, you know, made illegal for many years. So, you know, we're still developing our relationship to these plant teachers as, as a contemporary society. And, you know, one thing that I now see happening, you know, particularly in the West Coast, is there's a lot of people who are actually working as in a new field of integration, integration counseling. So people will go through an experience or a retreat, and then they'll have somebody they can talk with a month after and three months after and even a year after. So they don't feel just like, you know, totally left in their own cycle of experience. Mm. Well, I think it's definitely, yeah, definitely needed. And But I just don't really see that happening on Ibiza. That's why I'm just interested in it um, personally from an out, outside perspective. Um, well, I mean, America's more, you know, kind of, maybe because we're closer to these cultures, we're like a little bit more cutting edge in terms of how the shamanic technologies are being, you know, kind of utilized. Europe kind of gets its second wave after America. So, yeah, I'm sure you will see integration therapy, integration counseling becoming more prevalent in the next 10 years. Mm, I think that's a good thing, definitely. Um, and also, you know, I was just sort of listening to your last podcast with um, the marketing director of Bitcoin, and he was sort of saying that his, you know, um, yeah, his kind of consciousness had been expanded through taking MDMA, and that's kind of why he'd gotten into the position that he's in now. And I think that's also, you know, very interesting, particularly living on an island like this, where you know a lot of those drugs are being taken here, obviously for more recreational purposes. But you know, it is deeply frowned upon by people that sort of don't live perhaps in Ibiza that you know that people are taking those kinds of drugs and going out and having those experiences. But I feel like you know, and I'm sure a lot of people on Ibiza feel like their lives have changed as a result. And I'm just wondering, have you also kind of experimented with other kinds of drugs or is it just the psychedelics? Well, I mean, I, I loosely put MDMA in the category of psychedelics. Most people call it empathedelic. And, uh, you know, definitely I've had positive experiences with it. And, um, you know, because it's more chemical, it feels like it has more body load and, and maybe more negative consequences if you take too much of it over time. like. Some studies suggest it may lead to a little bit of a loss of uh, memory, you know. Mm. Um, but um, what's happening right now with MDMA is there's an incredible uh, research going on in the U.S. Uh, FDA approved research into uh, MDMA as a treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder with veterans from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars who have treatment-averse forms of PTSD. And they're finding in three sessions of um, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy more than 60% cure rate of uh, treatment-averse PTSD. So these are people who've tried all these other drugs and nothing's working. And, you know, veterans have a very high suicide rate in the U.S. So the fact that it has a 60% cure rate is astonishing. And that's leading to the FDA fast-tracking the approval process. It's leading to even very right-wing people putting 
millions of dollars into the MAPS uh, group, the, the nonprofit that's developing it as a medicine. So, you know, it, it turns out that it has a lot of efficacy. I mean, do you think there could be an argument for that kind of thing to be, I mean, I think legalized is highly unlikely in the States, but I mean, could that be a possibility? Well, I mean, I, th- I think it would be a natural trajectory, as we've seen with marijuana, that once the door cracks open and you have a medical usage case, then it becomes more and more available to have other types of uses for it, you know, legally okay. Mm. I mean, you have your um, your uh, community that you've created in the States and through sort of Elevator and um, the Reality Sandwich blog, and you have your events where you kind of, you know, interview guests each each month. I mean, are you going to be working on these themes of the book maybe through those kinds of more exploratory kind of community outreach programs or anything like that? Is that kind of something that you're maybe thinking about working towards or is it more focused on just kind of creating that conscious community and connecting people in New York? I mean, it's all, yeah, I mean, I think it's all, I mean, I I don't really know the answer actually. I mean, a lot of my work right now is I'm working with an incredible new co-working, co-living organization in New York called The Assemblage. Uh, Evolvers and Reality Sandwich are things that I started, but actually I'm not as much involved with them. I started them with an old friend and we sort of reached a point like a marriage where you don't really want to be in the same scenario with any, with any with someone anymore. So, um, but I, I do believe that particularly when we look at what's happening ecologically and politically and geopolitically, you know, creating a community networks that are focused on these alternatives and, and, you know, making them legitimate, whether it's like permaculture or local currencies, that's going to be, you know, very important in the future. Why is this co-working thing so important to you? Obviously, you know, I know for the reasons that, that digital kind of uh, platforms create disconnection and obviously, you know, through doing these wonderful things you're doing, that, that is changing the game and it is reconnecting people. But is that something that you've experienced directly that, you know, that this kind of sense of disconnection? Well, I mean, it's also kind of my, my work right now. I'm collaborating with them and they're really trying to do something different, which is a kind of co-working, co-living movement, you know, based around the evolution of consciousness and, you know, meditation and sound healing and, and shamanic practices and so on. So it's a um, really interesting bridge between the sort of consciousness community and more like the mainstream entrepreneurial culture and business culture. It, it definitely, it's, it's clearly there's a steady, steady growth of interest in the benefits of, you know, self-exploration through meditation or you know, working with plant teachers or, um, you know, yeah, so it feels like it feels like there's some growth happening. Mm. Yeah. And your, your sort of relationship with Bruce, I just wanted to ask finally about that because he's just such a legend and, you know, everyone on the island thinks he's just, you know, but, well, he is a hero. You know, his work is just phenomenal and fascinating and, you know, just so different, I guess, and so, you know, kind of brave to go out there into these communities and just bury himself in there and get lost in them for months on end. I mean, I saw that you guys were having having lunch, and I've obviously listened to some of the podcasts with him, and how did your sort of connection to him grow? Well, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, his film producer is John Carlos living here, uh, who helped with the Talk to Why, and John Carlos also produced a film that was focused on my work many years ago, 2012 Time for Change. And, you know, there's definitely a big overlap of interests and perspectives that, that Bruce and I have, so it's a natural affinity. And are you, what have you got lined up? Obviously, you're talking about your book tomorrow, but what's the kind of sort of focus of that talk that you're going to be giving at Cosmic Pineapple? So I think it was yesterday that I, Cosmic Pineapple appeared in my world. So today is today, and tomorrow is Cosmic Pineapple. So honestly, I haven't given it too much thought. I'm just, what I like to do mostly is, like, feel into the crowd and... You know, I'm I'm, I'm ga- gather, guessing it will probably be like you know people who want to hear something sweet. So you know, try to make it sweet. 
I think sweet like a pineapple. That sounds perfect. And are you going to attend any of the workshops there? Because there's obviously the Kundalini class and some really nice sound healing therapies in the evening. It's quite possible. I, I literally haven't really looked at the program yet because it's just happened in like one second. But it, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that I happened to coincide with my visit here. Thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate your time no, this no, evening. And I know it's a, a very last minute job. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Every day